You are listening to Navigating Law School Admissions with Miriam and Christy. If you've heard our recent episodes, you know that we were on a live podcast tour in fall 2023. And our next stop is Seattle, Seattle, Washington on the West Coast. Because we covered a lot of the same material as our previous episodes, we are going to publish this episode with the game at the beginning, as well as the live Q&A. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Perkins Coie and to this podcast event. We're pretty excited about it. My name is Cinnamon Baker. That is my real name. Everybody asks. It's okay. Uh, and my sister's name is Ginger. Yes, for real. Yes. Uh, no, there were no other siblings. Just getting out of the way. Uh, so I am the legal recruiting manager here at Perkins Coie. So I recruit law students and associates. And uh, that's my job. So that's one of the reasons I'm excited to have both Harvard and Yale Law School admissions represent themselves here for this uh, podcast. Miriam, uh, it's all to you. Hello, everybody. It is such a pleasure to be here. And a humongous thank you uh, to Cinnamon Baker, the best name I've ever heard. Madeline Mazda and your colleague Tiffany Spire who really made this happen. We are so happy to be in Seattle. I've never been before. I went to Pike's Market. We had an amazing meal. We're going to have another amazing meal tonight. We're taking full advantage. So this is awesome. I'm like, I want to bring my family back. So thank you all for coming. Um, and so as many of you probably know, Christy and I hosted a podcast together for three seasons, uh, which covered a ton of different aspects of the law school admissions process. And we had a goal and Cinnamon was asking why we started the podcast. And it was a COVID project where we couldn't do things like this and go on the road. Um, and our goal was really to democratize access to information, to good information about the admissions process so people would sort of get off of Reddit and uh, listen to a more perhaps uh, authoritative source to the extent that we can be that. Um, so if you're interested in listening to the podcast itself, um, you can find all of the episodes uh, on all of the, I know Spotify, all of the major podcast platforms. Uh, and this is really gonna be a summary of kind of some of the highlights. And yeah, we're really happy to be on the road. It's much nicer to be talking to you with real faces rather than from my closet uh, with the headphones on. Not that I don't love hanging out with Christy virtually <laughs> in that way. Okay, we're going to start by introducing ourselves. I'm going to turn it over to Christy first to introduce herself. And I'll also apologize if we're slightly loopy. We left the East Coast at 4.45 a.m. East Coast time. So if we're slightly loopier than usual, apologies in advance. But maybe we'll be even more entertaining than usual. Definitely, <laughs> definitely possible. Definitely possible. All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Christy Jeff, and I'm the Dean of Admissions at Harvard Law School. Thrilled to be here in Seattle today. What beautiful, sunny weather you have. It's been gorgeous. Have good luck. Yes, exactly. And as Miriam was saying, this podcast was really born out of the pandemic, and we recorded our first three seasons at a point in time where we were kind of at home in our sweatpants. So this was just a delight to be wearing real clothes and a blazer and hanging out with humans to record. Um, so I serve as Dean of Admissions at Harvard Law School. My path to this role had a couple of different twists and turns. I was a teacher in New York City for some years between college and law school. I went to HLS. Um, I clerked for judges in the Boston area and then worked at a large law firm in Boston. And then I came back to HLS as admissions dean. This is our sixth year. We started just about the same time in 2018. So we're at year six. And my very, very, very favorite part of my job is the current students. So I love y'all. I love meeting prospective students and applicants and admitted students, but it's really getting to 
connect with our current students at HLS. Sometimes I'm at events just like this, and then I get to see them through all their years and beyond. Okay, so I will introduce myself briefly as well. I am Miriam Ingber, and I'm the Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid at Yale Law School. Um, I also had a sort of winding journey, and maybe that's my first piece of advice, which is to know that you probably don't know where you're going to end up. I never would have imagined being as a child when I was in law school or ever, and it's been um, really a gift. So to kind of always keep yourself open to opportunities. So I went straight from college to law school. After law school, I clerked at the Supreme Court of Canada. I'm Canadian, so that makes more sense in that context. And then I became a litigator. I was at private firms, a big, a big and medium size, and then I was at a nonprofit where I litigated class action lawsuits um, on behalf of foster children and state care. And then I came back and taught legal research and writing at NYU Law School. I did some career counseling there and then ended up in my job. So I have done a little bit of lots of things. And uh, and really, I agree with Christy. When you see a student in the hallways and you're like, I remember meeting you at a coffee shop in San Diego. I remember, it's like a really, uh, really, really, very nice. And so hopefully some of you will be those folks for us in the next few years. I'm going to talk now through our plan for the evening. So if you listen, who listens to the, who's listened to any of the podcasts? Oh, great. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. So you will all know then that we always start each episode with a game. So we are going to start with a game and we're going to have some potential for audience participation. You will be recorded and you might be like then public. So do not volunteer if you don't want to be recorded. Uh, but it'll be, I think, a really fun game. And then after that, we're going to go quickly through some of the key elements of the admissions process, what we're looking for, transcripts, testing, letters of recommendation, essays, resume, and then interviews. And then we're going to do some Q&A. We have some pre-submitted questions and then some live Q&A. And I think that's basically it. I would say just one logistical reminder. I was chatting with some folks before. You should have gotten an email about an hour or so ago with a check-in link to check in and say, yes, I'm here, so that we can send you an email after saying, great, it was lovely to meet you, and here's some links to things that might be helpful for you. Um, if you have any issues with the check-in link, it's kind of a new thing we're trying. Sounds like Google Chrome maybe works better for some folks than Spotify. Just come up to me after, and I'll make sure you get all the better. Game? Game. Time for likes games. games, yeah. This has yes. been the best part of all the other events we've done, I think. So hopefully you'll like it. So we're trying a new game. We did um, Two Truths and a Lie a couple times. And tonight we're going to do another classic, Would You Rather? So the first set of questions is going to be for us. And then the second set is going to be for you. So I'm going to ask Christy a series of questions. Uh, we have not pre-planned our answers. We haven't looked at these for a while. So you're going to get the loopy ladies. Um, and then I'll chime <laughs> in with my own answers. All right, Christy. First, Would You Rather? Would you rather have the ability to speed read or a photographic memory? I would really love to have a photographic memory. I think that would be helpful to me in terms of being able to really download all of the information about our current students. I have a lot of it in my head. Yeah. But I think with a truly photographic memory, I'd be even more effective in terms of my sense of the student body. I am shocked that you said that because speed reading seemed like the absolute obvious answer. So it's interesting you did not. I have actually thought, I'm a very quick reader. It's always been one of those things, I think, because I read so much as a kid. I have genuinely thought about taking a speed reading class. I think one summer I will. Uh, I actually just read an application that referenced speed reading class, and it reminded me of my life, hashtag life goal of taking a speed reading class. Okay, with this one, I know your answer. Would you rather have dinner with Taylor Swift or the Supreme Court Justice of your choice? 
Okay, so not this is not a close call for you. Not to flex, but I will flex that I have had dinner with a couple of different Supreme Court justices over the years. We have this moot court competition every year, and there's typically a Supreme Court justice who presides over it. Um, I once gave one of the justices a tour of, of Harvard. This is many, this is going back actually almost 20 years ago. Um, so I have not yet had dinner with Taylor Swift. And boy, what I would give, but you know, she's here on the West Coast. Tonight is the LA premiere of the Aries tour. It's true. We, we, we went in Boston together and we're going to Sweden together in May. Again, yes. So how committed? I am. I am only a Swifty by by. I don't know. A J. I'm a. I'm Swifty adjacent, and Christy is the Swifty. Yes, but she's turned me into a fan. Yes, and so maybe we could have some Swedish meatballs for dinner with Taylor Swift. Swedish fish. Some, yes, when we go to Sweden, Swedish fish and meatballs. I am definitely on for the same reason. I am definitely on the Taylor Swift train for this. I think it would be ridiculous, and would be an amazing life accomplishment. And she's had some interesting legal things over the years. She's had copyright issues. She had that. I would not talk to her about anything legal. I would talk to her about fun stuff. But maybe we could do it together. You can handle the legal and I could just, I don't know, be like, tell us stories. Um, okay. So here's question three. Would you rather read a thousand personal statements or 250 LSAT writing samples? Okay. I thought about this actually pretty long <laughs> and i am going to go with the 1000 personal statements for the following reason even though that's a lot more reading there's narrative there's good content to hang on to i can get through the lsat writing that the lsat writing samples but there's not always a story that grabs you has anyone done their lsat writing sample yet yeah yeah they're fully done it's yeah. fully fine, but they're not exactly gripping. I, I would rather read 5,000 personal statements than 250 <laughs> of those LPAD writing samples. Like, I dread reading them. I, I read them rarely, only when I have some, like, concerns about the applicant, and I think it's enough. The handful that I read is plenty. I would read personal statements day and night to avoid that. I also find that the LSAT writing samples, when I'm reading them, I'm really only reading them to get a sense of the person. This is writing. Yes. And so I'm not perhaps as engaged with the content. And it would be so duplicative because there's the same problem. I can't. No, that would be horrible. Should friend choose oh. this textbook for the class or that textbook. Uh, no, no way. Okay. Would you rather work in student affairs or alumni affairs? Okay. Anyone work in higher ed? Oh, excellent. Oh, got a fellow higher ed person. This is something people always talk about in higher ed. If you meet someone who works in alumni affairs, they're like, I cannot possibly imagine working in admissions. I can't possibly imagine working in student affairs. You meet someone in student affairs, they're like, oh, can't work, in, can't do this, can't do that. You meet someone in admissions, they're like, oh, I can imagine doing alumni affairs, can't do it, imagine doing student affairs. Um, I think I'd rather do alumni affairs. Yeah, what do you sure. think? This one is very hard because I actually really love our students and I love the way that I get to interact with them. It's like the person who admitted them and the way very lovely relationships. I feel like student affairs is often, it's like event planning, which I would love, like orientation and I would love that stuff. But I think there's also a lot of tough stuff that happens and you're on the front lines of it. I am happy not to do that. I would prefer career services over either. I would prefer, I thought about this a lot too, academic affairs over either. I think those two are really tough. 
and I don't want to raise money. Wow. Like the money asking within a love guy is so tough. I would be so bad at that. That's okay. This is interesting that you bring that up because development to me is different than a love guy. Oh, Errol. So when I gave my answer, I was not thinking I'd have to do development. So oh, we ours is combined. Oh, oh. This is very tough. <laughs> we were born for admissions. <laughs> okay. Final one. Would you rather spend three hours in an elevator, stuck in an elevator with eight applicants or eight admitted students? This is obvious. Oh, really? I think it's obvious. Interesting. Let's see if we agree. I'd rather go with the admitted students. Oh, no. I would so much rather with the applicants. I feel like, no, 100% the applicants. All of you are so nice right now. And then once we admit you, it's all going to be like, put me in touch with a senator. You know, I lost my swag blanket. Mail me another one. No. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, that out of the way really quickly in the elevator. That's true. And you can just watch them get to know one another because they're all, if they're all going to be in the same class together. You can if I didn't have to talk, if they get to hang out with each other, that would be super fun. If they were asking me for things. You can right. tell them you're on a silent, like you're on a silent meditation retreat that day. You know, then that, that then hours. definitely the admin. I love my admits, to be clear, but there's a brief phase where I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, now it's your turn. So, who's going to volunteer knowing they're going to be recorded? I think we would like at least two volunteers. Yep. Don't all jump at once. That Would you rather? Oh. You? I had my eye. Okay. Front row. Wait, you're going to do a press. You're going to stand up here. Okay. And back. Come on up. Come on up. All right. Okay, we got to do names. Okay, wait. Last chance to back out. You're going to be on the podcast. Wait, what did I just sign up for? Would you rather? You're, you're going to do a would you rather. Okay. Oh, you don't know what it is. No. Okay. Can you share your name with us? And if you don't want last name, that's totally fine. If you just want the uh, My name is Ryan Habib. I'm Arthi Kumur. Okay. Ryan and Arthi. Okay. okay. Are we ready? going to hit you up. So. Just like Miriam and I shared our answers to our would you rathers, um, it would be awesome if you share your answer. And then if you want to opine on why, you're welcome to do so. Are you ready for question one? Would you rather have to retake the LSAT, perhaps even know you'll get a score increase, or would you rather write three additional law school essays to go into all your applications? Me personally, I'd probably do the extra essays because I like writing and maybe it'll give the admission staff more information about me. Oh, I like that. What do you think? Are they? Retake the LSAT 100%. <laughs> right. I feel like it's like us. Like you both think it was so obvious yeah. and that it was, it was a split. Okay. Would you rather participate in an interview with six admissions officers at once or an interview with the most intimidating professor at your target school? Ooh. I'd probably go with six at once. Six admissions officers yeah. at once? Oh, we're really nice. <laughs> <laughs> six at once. All right. Okay. 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 Consensus on that. Okay. Here's one where I might even be interested in polling the audience because perhaps you may have seen these TV shows or perhaps not. Ready? When you become an attorney in the future, would you rather work for Harvey Specter from Suits or Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad? <laughs> I have watched neither show, so this is meaningless to me, but I'm still interested in whether there's consensus. Um, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> so I'll probably work with Harvey Specter. So technically some folks who worked for Harvey Specter went to jail as well. 
That's true. But I think but the, fewer. Yeah, way fewer. <laughs> Harvey Specter. So I heard he was based off of a real lawyer. That the creator of Suits and he was based off. Um, it's Harvey Specter. <laughs> okay, audience poll. Who would go Harvey Specter? Solid. It's not. It's not unanimous. Okay, raise your hand if that's the other guy. So all good men. Oh, we have some people who are on Better Call Saul. That's right. Better Call Saul. Okay, next one. Ready? Would you rather be in the same law school section? So a section is where you have all your classes together. So you're together pretty much all day, every day. Would you rather be in the same law school section as the ex who broke up with you, or your worst enemy? Ooh. Uh, to create competition like that. <laughs> okay, I like it to motivate you. Worst enemy. It's motivating. Motivating. Okay. okay, that's good. I like that. Final question. Would you rather read a really amazing letter of recommendation for an applicant to put yourself in the admissions officer's shoes? Would you rather read a really amazing letter of recommendation that warms your heart, brings you joy? Or would you rather read a letter of re uh, recommendation that throws the applicant under the bus? Oh, uh, I'd probably read the one where uh, the person under the bus. <laughs> I think my microphone's dead. That's okay. That's oh, we'll, deal. we'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay. So you're going for interest over yeah. over joy. The really good recommendation. I feel like writing a really bad letter of recommendation is is almost really. The worst, the worst are the ones that are passive aggressively bad. Yeah, right? Like yeah. this student was a competent member of the course. Yeah, yeah. They tried very hard throughout the semester, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, death by a thousand cuts right there. So <laughs> that I think that almost is the worst of them all. All right, can we have a round of applause for our <laughs> wonderful certificate? Okay. Okay, so let's get started with some content. Let's do some pre-submitted questions. Yeah, I remember when you registered, you submitted you this this group submitted some questions. Yes. Questions. We were doing this in, in our hotel room and Christy was like, oh my God, it's such good questions. Yeah, this group, they're really good. So let's start with this one. Um, this is from I believe Rayanne. Are softs and admissions really as overlooked as some say they are, or can they improve chances of admission? They are extremely important. Um I'm not going to lie and say that if you're all softs and, you know, you don't have, you know, you have your academic record is really weak and your test score is really low, that it's going to overcome that. But the reverse is also, the converse is kind of true. If you don't have softs, and by softs, I mean things like extracurricular involvement, possibly also some work experience, some volunteer work, you know, something about your, your, your background and your experiences, it's not enough. There are every year, both of our schools reject many, many, many people with wonderful numbers, quote unquote, who just, that's kind of all they have. I think, Christy, you coined it, it's like empty numbers. And so the softs are incredibly important. Uh, they are necessary, but not always sufficient. Do you agree? Disagree? I agree. I think we have a podcast episode called The So-Called Softs because they're not yeah. so very soft. Yeah, all. exactly. Exactly. All right. Here's, here's one that I thought was interesting from James. James asked, Knowing that for many students, career goals change, what are the pros and cons of specifically stating postgraduate career aspirations in the application? you want to take that first? Sure. 
So I'd say I'm not sure that um, anyone's expecting you to really sign on the dotted line of any particular career aspirations. Um, and I think when individuals in their applications are discussing kind of uh, what we sometimes call their vision for their future, they're speaking in really broad terms. Sometimes they're talking about how they're deeply committed to combating climate change and they see this as the most urgent issue of their time. But they don't necessarily need to tell us that they're going to work at the EPA or Earth Justice or they see themselves as, you know, a think tank leader and never practicing law. Because all of those things, as James asked, all, suggested, all of those things really do change. That said, I think if there is something that you're deeply passionate about and you that's where you are right now, I don't see harm in sharing it. Uh, Provided that it's authentic and if someone asked you about it in an interview, you'd be able to provide a pretty authentic answer. Know that you might come to law school and find a totally new and different passion. You might be really motivated to apply because you are um, really interested in advocacy for immigrants and you might discover antitrust and determine that that is really what floats your boat. And all of that is okay. No law school admissions officer expects you to have that all figured out and your professors won't either. And I'll just say you can even be less specific than I'm interested in environmental law or immigration. You can just some, this can be hard to do, I think, as effectively. So you have to be careful on how you craft it. Some people are just interested in law intellectually, and they can think of lots of different areas of law that they might be interested in. They're interested in public service. They're interested in, in, in language. And so there are ways to craft an essay that's even less specific that can still be effective, although that might be in some ways you just have to be thoughtful about um, making sure it, your decision to go to law school seems well thought out. Make sure it's authentic to you. Exactly. Issues. Yep. So Christy is now, I, my fa very favorite question, as Christy knows of all time, is how do you stand out? Um, I think this is the most common question that I get asked, I don't know, for you. There were multiple people yes. who submitted some variation on the how do you stand out? How do you stand out? I always, uh, when, when you work in higher ed, there's a lot of talk about how, the frame. Let's reframe this. And so I want to reframe this question about standing out because I think it is focused on other people. You can only stand out if you're worried about how other people are performing and trying to be better than them. You have zero control over that. You have no idea what other people's applications look like. You don't know what the pool is going to be like. You have no clue. And what you can control is yourself, your own application, and making sure that it's the strongest version that it can be. And so I would really encourage you not to worry about standing out. What often stands out are like cuckoo things. That's what's most memorable over the years is when people did something like really, really cuckoo. Um, of course, we remember some exceptionally strong essays and people that we just really resonated with, but... Uh, they're sometimes less memorable even than the, you know, the person who included like 85 citations or who wrote a poem for their 250 and you're just like, oh, no. So don't try to stand out for the sake of standing out. Focus on really uh, uh, maximizing your own potential. Sometimes my team will read an application and will be like, this person maximized. And that's what you want to do. If you're writing, be crisp, really limit the typos, follow instructions, all of those nice things that just show you're really putting effort and care in and letting us know who you are. So there were a couple of questions I enjoyed that um, were more more about careers and our careers. And this was one from Colin. How do admissions teams go through so many applications in such a short time? Well, Colin, you end up just reading early in the morning and late at night. And also kind of the truth and on airplanes. Yeah. 
but all the I, fields. <laughs> I also find for for my team, so there's seven of us who read applications. We do all of our first reads independently. So you get your queue and then you've got the week and you can kind of structure it, provided everybody gets their reads done in the deadline. By the deadline, I'm not I'm agnostic as to what time of day they're reading or how they fit it into the rest of their work obligations. When we do our second reads, we read together. So we read together in a group, in a room, and we are talking about applications as we go. And I find that um, I hope my team stays really invested in reading applications because it can be, to, in all seriousness, it can really be in a, a slog. And anyone in any admissions office at any type of higher institution will tell you that. It can be a lot. And what keeps us really grounded is being able to discuss the applicants with one another. Um, and that keeps us really excited as well. I'll say one thing that helps, this is a very technical thing that I think helps us move through more quickly. There's some applications where you, you kind of know. You, you know what you want to score them. You know how you feel about them. And some are really tough. And so what we've done as a team, to, and you can just get stuck on a single application where you're rereading and flipping and going back and you're thinking about it. What we've learned to do is we, we put a temporary score on those. Um, recommend, we call it our recommend score. And we push it off to a discuss bin. And then we have a weekly meeting where we sit as a team, we all read those files, and then we talk about them and make it a group decision. So it kind of like pushes you out of that stuck moment. And it also really helps us calibrate with each other. So we're all kind of seeing some group of files together, talking them through, and it really helps us make sure that, you know, we don't have one person who's kind of doing something on their own that the rest of us don't agree with. So it has multiple purposes, and it does help speed you through the files a little bit. And Swedish fish, bags of Swedish fish. And, and I've started listening to music like this. One of my students um, who uh, has ADHD was talking about this like focus playlist that she has. And I started like listening to that. And I feel like it just pushes stuff out of my head and really helps me like narrow in and not get distracted. My playlist is called Quiet Reading. Ooh, you have to share it with me. There's a lot of Lana Del Rey on there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't like the music too much or I get really focused on it. That's what I've learned. Yeah. When I'm like, ooh, I'm really like like jamming to this. Like I, I love reggae. Like whenever I, I, it's too much. I can't. I get distracted. So I've got to hook stuff. I'm like, eh, it's like white noise. Yeah. Do you want to do one more pre-submitted? Let's do before? one more pre-submitted. I kind of like this one. Oh, sure. This is from Narrative. If you can give your younger self a few tips on how to best navigate the legal profession as a young woman, what would they be? Um, I think this happens to lots of people, but I think it is disproportionately happens to women where there's a very narrow lane you have to be in where you have to be super nice but also like show authority and it can be really hard where you know i think men typically not all men and this is all of saying it's in generalities have a wide lane you know where they can be like a little bit pushier and it's viewed as authoritative if a woman did it and this has happened to me in my career i'm speaking from personal experience it's like oh you know try to you're not being nice enough ignore that that is awful and you should not feel all the time like you have to like sort of um police your own behavior to fit into this this box um you should feel free to be yourself um this is true for people from lots of different backgrounds not women you should be who you are if an employer doesn't like who you are they're probably not the right employer for you and there will be other employers for you who are going to like you for exactly who you are and i would say this to students i was i was giving career advice when they're saying oh i have this student group or my thesis title on my resume and i'm afraid some people might not like it i'm like if that's really unfortunate to who you are only you know Maybe that's like a signaling device. And then the folks who aren't into it won't hire you and you probably wouldn't have been happy there anyways. The goal in careers is not to be, to get every job you apply for. It's a discernment process of trying to find a fit. 
I, was, I got a little ranty because I put my career counselor hat back <laughs> on and I was like, you can do it. You're going to be great. I would say that uh, one thing I noticed in in particular, and I see, I, I have seen this actually across a couple of different type of legal practice settings, um, is that often women on teams are called upon to be kind of the keeper of the to-do list, which is a really important role, actually, and can allow you, especially early in your career, to punch above your weight because you have a sense of how all the pieces are um, fitting together and the individuals involved. Um, but I got some really good advice early on that you shouldn't wake up seven years into your career and still be the keeper of the to-do list on every trial team because it will it it keeps you real busy, right? So you might be even billing a lot of hours, um, but you're not giving yourself space to engage in all of the deeper substantive work, like writing a motion or taking a deposition. Um, and so I, the advice I got that I, I think is, I hope applicable to everybody is once you feel like you have learned a skill, practiced a skill a couple of times and you've demonstrated mastery, it's time to look for opportunities, um, future teams and future matters to start developing other skills. Yeah. I had a partner that I really liked at one of the firms I worked at and I was once traveling. I think we were going to London. So we were hanging out at the airport and I, I was very junior and I, I was like very nervous. I was like, you know, partner, um, how can I ever get to take a deposition? Like that's a big thing when you're a baby litigator is to take a deposition. It's a huge moment. And he goes, well, you're never going to get it unless you ask. And I was like, okay, could I defend the deposition in London? And he kind of looked at me like, he's like, that's not what I meant when I said that. He's like, okay, I guess you can. And I was like, oh my God, I can't, like, I couldn't believe that, that the whole thing happened. And I did it and I was terrible. And he sat beside me and like wrote me notes and we had a very aggressive the client actually showed up on the other side, which is extremely unusual. It was like slamming on the table and screaming and it was very intense and it was trial by fire and it was awesome. And so always ask. You might not always get, but you're never going to get a lot of the time unless you ask. And so just like empower yourself to ask for what you want. No one knows that you're interested in doing something if you don't express that to them. Why Q&A? Um, so you'll you'll be recorded just as a reminder that I can come run the mics. Hello? Is that one working? There was one that, yes, okay. that's, working. that's the working mic. Okay. Who has a question they'd like to ask? And if you don't mind, say your, say your first name, at least. Okay. Um, I'm Trisha, and I just want to say thank you, Miriam and Christy, for coming out and finally putting a face to the voices I hear, my headphones. Um, so I did the Running Start program in high school, and I graduated with my associate's degree, and now I'm a graduating second year at the University of Washington. So I was wondering if that would be enough data for you guys to gauge, or how did you or how would you gauge applicants like me? That's a great question. It's actually when I was talking about community college transcripts, I had in my mind that this was a state where there was a lot of um, dual enrollment in high school. Some states have that more than others. Yes, we have enough data. Don't be worried about it. We're going to have your entire transcript. We're going to, which is going to be four years worth of grades. Um, we're going to have your testing history, hopefully some good letters at rack. Um, you also don't, you should go to law school when you're ready. And so if you're ready in your final year of college to apply, you should absolutely do it. If you have even a hint of doubt about that, you should also feel absolutely free to take a couple of years. Law schools will be waiting. We'll still be here when you get back. Uh, but feel free if you want to take that time since you uh, graduated so quickly to do that if you choose. Hi, my name is Crystal. Um, I have one fun pre-question and then a serious question afterwards. Um, if you had to only pick one Taylor Swift era to listen to the rest of this admission oh, cycle, oh, what would it be oh. and why? And then the more serious question, 
Um, you both have mentioned on your podcast that you love myth busting. Um, <laughs> so is there anything in this particular admission cycle that you maybe seen on Reddit or have heard that you would like to clarify about your school's admission process? Sure. I love it. That's a great question. You want to go first? I feel like you should go first on the Swift question. For sure. So for this admission cycle, um, especially in reading mode, I would choose the folk. <gasps> Me too. That's what I was going to say. My favorite song is Great American Dynasty. I'm like a little obsessed. It's like a feminist anthem. And I'm super into it. I, I find that um, that is a really good. There's a couple of entries on quiet reading from the folklore. From the folklore. Yeah. Myth busting. Okay. You 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 busted it first. I love a myth bust. Um, I think that there's lots and lots of speculation about changes in um, the different essay prompts. And I think it can be interesting to speculate. But the important thing to focus on right now is um, that if law schools are asking you to share something, they're probably really interested in hearing about it. Um, so I would encourage um, applicants to really focus on developing their essays and maybe speculate less about what what motivated this or that essay, because I think sometimes it can spiral into into badness, into just conspiracy theories. I also think that there's definitely things that are changing where this is an era of change, but some things have stayed the same. I think our values have stayed the same. The people are the same. The care with which we're reading your application, um, our goal of admitting like an amazing um, class for our school, that's going to be a wonderful community for the students who come into it. None of that has changed. And so I would not worry overly much. I think it goes back a little bit to being the best version of yourself. Shoot your shot. Apply to the places you're excited about. Uh, be thoughtful about it. But don't think that so much has changed that, you know, you should completely um, change everything that you're doing in this process. I think mean, a lot of things are still the same. All right. Questions over here on this side of the room. Um, hi, my name is Savannah, and I am just curious what considerations, if any, you guys take into account for students that are applying for joint degree programs, so looking to get, you know, their JD and maybe a master's at the same time, and if you have any advice for those students as they're going through the application process. Sure. So um, if, for Harvard, for joint degree programs, you have to apply to each program separately. So one important note is that if you're applying for a joint degree with a divinity school, we're not swapping files with the divinity school. I'm sure the same is true. Yeah, totally the same. No joint admissions. Yes. Um, there is a short, very short um, question on the application form that asks you to select if you're applying for any joint degree programs. If you select one of them, a question will pop up of just sort of, why do you want to do this joint degree program? Um, and I would encourage applicants to um, d offer a direct answer there, but not necessarily feel like they also need to cover the substance of why they're doing a joint degree in their essays because there's just so little real estate in those different written statements. Um, so don't feel like you have to cover it again. This is another, it really depends on the school. Some schools actually do have joint admissions where you'll, you know, like I think I'm thinking of like Penn and Wharton. Like they actually, they do that to get Penn Law School. We don't do any of that. Um, we don't even ask the question on our application um, about whether you're applying to a joint degree. Many people who are applying to joint degrees with us some do it at Yale, some do it elsewhere, some come in already have started, some apply as 1L, so it can work in a lot of different ways. And it's really up to you whether you want to cover that in your essays. As Christy said, there's not a lot of real estate and you should never feel compelled to talk about that. 
um, unless you think that it's really central to, to your why you're going to law school as well. My name is Evan, and uh, with rolling admissions, how much uh, weight do you put towards an application that maybe was submitted within the first week versus a month in or something like that? At YLS, it matters not at all. Our process is set up in such a way that we're timing agnostic. So you should always feel free to wait until the very last second. Um, for for us specifically, I think for most schools, it matters maybe a little bit. I think less than people think it does. And it's always better to have a stronger application later rather than an application that you rush through and the essays are not tight um, or you're missing a letter of recommendation or you're retaking the LSAT. Later, a stronger application later is always better. I co-sign all of that. I actually have a blog post I did last year called Changing My Tune on Applying Early, where I was like, I was wrong. When I went into this job, I thought it would be timing would be more important. And I said in that blog post, and I stand by it, that I can't think of a single file where the decision would have been different if the person applied at a different date. Um, the earlier you apply, we, I would like to get people their decisions sooner. So I'm sometimes mindful of just making sure people receive their decisions. But if we're not ready to make a decision on the application, we're holding it till we're ready. And just a, a note on that, if you haven't heard, it means we're still considering it. So you should always like, no news is good news. And I know it feels like agony, like it's taking forever. In the scheme of your life, it's six months. It's actually not that most, it's not that long. Just as much as you can, like sit tight and know that it's not, we're reading seven days, you know, usually six, seven days a week, like day and night. It's because we're still being thoughtful about your application. It's a good sign. Um, yeah, kind of really similar to the question that he asked. Um, the interesting kind of um, sentiment that it's always better to apply early because of the rolling admissions. As somebody who personally is waiting for the November LSAT score to release, um, would you say that there's any merit in the people that maybe apply early and then hold their file or that process that I've kind of heard until their LSAT score comes out. So at YLS specifically, like because we're timing agnostic, we will review your application as soon as it's complete and we will not go back and re-review it. So if you already have an LSAT score on file, you can't tell us hold my file to like retake. We will not. We don't have the capacity to do that. If it's complete, we're reading it. Same thing if you're waiting on a letter of recommendation. Um, we're, we won't hold it while, while if you say, oh, I list four recommenders. We have two letters. It's complete. It's going to be read probably within a week, a first read, if we're up to date, and we usually are. So different schools may handle that differently, but that's a very school-specific question. And for us, do not submit till you're ready. Just okay. just wait. Same. So yeah. there's, a, there's really no advantage. If you are still, um, if you're waiting to take the November LSAT, but you already have a score on file, I'm not really sure. I, I, I see no advantage and actually I see significant disadvantage to applying before you get that score back. Yeah. We will occasionally run a report for to look for huge score jumps because we feel bad. Like we know that this is a thing that there's only so many people what could give us to, but I cannot think of a person where we change the decision on the basis of a later LSAT. It's just complicated to do it. Hello, my name is Taylor. Um, I had a question. So I've heard that one should go to law school in the area where they want to practice. And I was just wondering if you have any thoughts or for somebody like me who wants to come back to Seattle, do you, do you like your career counselors? Would they be able to help me, you know, connect to the Seattle? Christy's going to 
Yeah, I think I think this, there's a lot of really personal considerations here. Different areas of the country have different bars, right? So different sets of attorneys. Um, and I think there can be some advantages to developing networks in different areas. I also think there's advantages to developing networks in other areas of the across the country. Um, and one of the things I think is really unique about both of our schools are their big national law schools and, and global law schools where people come from everywhere and people go everywhere. Um, for career services, I think both of our schools have large and experienced career services offices that will help you get a job where you want to go. Um, and at least for me, looking at the people who are in my 1L section who are practicing everywhere from Memphis to um, a friend who ran for city council here in, in Seattle, I, I think that is been really enriching to my life to have an alumni network and a set of friends who are practicing everywhere. Um, and it's actually really quite interesting to talk to different lawyers in different regions of the country. I will say just to be careful of, that you're mindful of the difference between national schools. And I think both Harvard and Yale are national in that, as Christy said, people come from everywhere and go everywhere. There are certain schools, most schools, in fact, are more regional or local. So, um, you know, there are three law schools in Connecticut. Um, we're one of the three. The other two, really, most of their graduates are going to stay within New England. And so you should just make sure to ask that question. You wouldn't want to go to a school that's not national and is outside of the region where you want to practice, because then you could end up kind of stuck uh, where most of the connections and most of your opportunities are going to be in a part of the country where you don't ultimately want to live. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you all so much. And again, if you stay tuned to the perfect school folks. Let's let's give them a round of applause again, right? That was amazing. That was fantastic. Super, super exciting. Thank you again, everybody, for uh, making your way out here. 